why are people <laughs> so into glow in the dark? Why is Gary using a 90s reference? <laughs> Y'all are blowing my mind. Maybe it's just like me and my trust, like my trusting self, but like I just never even thought that that would be a thing people would do. <laughs> that was the best call ever. Oh my god. Damn! <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, toy family! Welcome to the Marsham Toy Hour, where we discuss anything and everything designer toys. I'm Gary Ham. I'm Teresa Hawkins. I'm George Gaspar. Welcome back, George. And oh, I'm Jessica. And Gaspar. Jessica's with us. Yeah. Hey, Jessica. And I'm Jessica Gaspar. Congratulations, and your honeymoon looked fantastic. Jeez, what a trip you guys had. But I have to say, out of all the photos I saw on your feed while you guys were away, I think the single best and most shocking one was a photo you posted just when you guys got back. I'm scrolling through your feed, and at first I thought it was a photo of you with David Hyde Pierce, but then I got, took a closer look, and it was George. George shaved his beard while he was gone. So that's that's the story I want to know. Like, what brought that on, George? And how do you feel about it, Jess? This is going to be a segment of its own. <laughs> no, I need to know deets. Are you pro or anti-beard? Did you approve? Did he ask you first? Did he shave without permission? Did you have to, like, tape the hair back on because you were mad? Details. Yeah. Give me the deets. Um, it's hard to say right now because it's kind of like a really nice little scruff right now, and so it's ador- It's adorable right now. How was it a week ago? Well, okay, so let me say. Okay, so he had been talking about it for a little bit. He had ran it by me that he's been wanting to grow out his beard for two years. Like that was his thing, but he wanted to start from a fresh, clean face. And I was like, I don't know. I don't approve of it, but I get what you're trying to do. You're super A-type, so I get it. He's like, oh, Monday after our vacation, I'm, I'm going to shave it. Then I'm going to start in two years. And I was like, okay, fine. But we get home Friday night and Saturday morning. I hear his little shaver go for a little too long. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, no. So I go and I knock on the bathroom and I was like, are you shaving? <laughs> And he's like, I messed up. I messed up when I was trimming the beard. I messed up so much Then he comes out and he's all bare-faced. I'm pro-beard. I like beards. I think they're, I don't know. I love love beard. Like, all my ex-boyfriends have beards. Not your husband's. (laughs) No, my husband, no. And, uh, but I got used to it. For like an hour, and then, but like, I woke up on uh, Monday or was it Sunday? Sunday. I think it was like on Sunday. I woke up and I walked around the bed and I looked at his face and I was like, ah! What happened? <laughs> <laughs> like, what just happened? But uh, right now it's cute. It's like a cute little fuzzy. He looks adorable right now, but that's just because I think he's wearing like a little grandpa sweater and it's adorable. <laughs> And I think, yeah, I think he's adorable. But he used to do, like, sometimes he does these, like, faces, like, these cute little faces. And those weren't the same. I was like, oh, they're not as cute. Because I don't think, like, the beard accents his cheeks. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> I get it, Jess. I understand. It's a means to an end. So you are going to grow a beard back out. You just wanted to do it fresh. Yeah, I just... I just wanted to shave to see what I look like again. I, every once in a while, you got to see what it looks like under there. Make sure I'm still okay. <laughs> I really like, okay. I like the length that it's at right now, actually. 
Because you look age appropriate. It's like a little, it's a little scruffy and it's adorbs. George, now that you're married, you pretty much have to do what your wife wants. It's no longer your face. Uh, yeah, it's her face. It's true. Like, I've grown out my hair because he likes long hair. Mm-hmm. I would love to have short hair again. Wait a minute. I didn't make you grow hair. Yeah. You, you can certainly do whatever you want. I'm I'm all for doing whatever you want with your own You're hair. You're a liar. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Because my brother, he looks really good with a beard, but his wife does not approve. So every time he grows it, he ends up having to shave it. I'm pretty sure when you're married, there's, like, hidden rules in there. I'm pretty sure it's called being a wussy. Tell your brother to man up. That's ridiculous. (laughs) I'm about to hang up this phone. You you apologize to my brother. I'll apologize when he grows his beard back. You know what? You're just saying that because your wife's not in the room right now. But if she was in the room, you would be probably singing, like, a whole different tune. Yeah. I think hair and beards come and go. Like, they can, like, it grows so fast. Like, my beard... In a month, it'll be a full beard again. Like, it's not even, like, it's not even an issue. It's all that testosterone coursing through your veins, George. I wish a little testosterone would get up to the top of my head. It all <laughs> <No>. stops up. Peace. <laughs> 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 all right, enough beard talk. Well, yeah, so we missed you guys. I know you were on your honeymoon. It looked fantastic. I was following you guys on Instagram. It looked like an amazing vacation. And that doesn't look like the kind of vacation you just pick up and go. Like, you guys had a travel planner or friends or someone who did that trip previously? Yeah, we hired somebody. Because um, one thing we have found out is that uh, we do not like planning. We're like, we're going on a trip. We don't want to do the research. We don't want to find like the, the better deals or like you know. It's kind of like it's kind of like doing this podcast, right, George? Exactly. You just want to do your thing. <laughs> so, um, so we hired somebody to do it for us, and they came up with like the best trip, and it was probably the best money we've ever spent to have somebody else just send us on this vacation. They just sent us our itinerary, and we're like, it was like, okay, just show up here. It looked amazing. It looked cold, but it looked amazing. Yeah, I got some awesome photos. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a winter vacation, not a summer retreat. But uh, I would recommend Iceland to anybody, you know, to anybody listening out there. I would definitely recommend a trip to Iceland someday because it was pretty awesome. Like, I love Iceland. Hmm. Yeah, you did. The very first day you guys are there, you're hitting up the penis museums. Yeah, you yeah, gotta you jump. To. Gotta jump right in. And, and I was surprised about actually how many people were actually in there, yeah. and legitimately like how we were. Like they have like a tour, like an audio tour, so you can. It's like pre-recorded by the guy, and you go around. And there were so many people in there. So you're telling me your event planner said, "Hey, I got a great idea." Let's send them to the penis museum. No, we <laughs> like, did that on our own, I think. Actually. He was like, you guys have a free day. And we we're like, dick museum. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been better if the event planner had picked it. <laughs> so this is this is a toy show. And two weeks ago, we announced that we were going to be doing a giveaway. We had Chris Reinack on, and Umi Toys in Hawaii was kind enough to offer up one of the exclusive colorways of the Gem Nibbler from the Thimblestup Hollows 2 series. So, Teresa, how about we go ahead and give that away, and I know you have all the information on how you're going to do that. Yes. So, yeah, let's do that real quick. So I have to say our listeners are not very good listeners. No! Don't be knocking our listeners! 
Okay, well, so, but, so part of the, and you weren't on, George, but basically we said, hey, come to our Instagram account and finish the sentence, Gary likes to nibble blank. But we said as part of it, also make sure for your entry to follow You and Me Toys. And so we got 27 entries, but only six people actually followed all the instructions. Oh, and no. commented as well as followed. So disqualified. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry, all y'all people, but we're Don't only gonna pick, we're only gonna pick from those six because they yeah. follow the rules. I like those odds. So what I've done is I found this cool website where you can uh, plug stuff in to like a spinning wheel, and then I can press to have it spin, and it'll spin. And then select a winner. I actually have it all ready to go. I have not clicked it yet. I've got it on my phone. Okay. So I've got the six lucky potential winners all ready to go and plugged in. We'll also I'm going to start. Six smart people who know how to follow directions. <laughs> <laughs> I, felt so, I was like, okay, I'm going to go through, like, write down all the names and I'm like okay I gotta double check did they follow and all of a sudden I'm like why am I not finding these people and I'm like am I doing this wrong do I not know how to find followers and I was like no so many people didn't do it shame so definite shame but all right let's get to the contest spin the wheel (laughs) anyway okay I'm gonna spin three two one spinning the wheel and the winner is It's Kesho. Hey, it's Elizabeth. K-E-S-S-H-O is the winner of the Gem Nibbler. Congratulations, Kesho. We will reach out to you and put you in touch with Umi Toys to receive your prize. Congratulations. All righty. Okay, so let's move Moving on. on. George and Jess, it's a new year. Do you guys, either one of you have any uh, resolutions you want to share with us? Uh, apparently, resolutions are what you tell other people to do that you want them to do. Is that what, that's what I heard on the last episode? Do <laughs> <laughs> you have any resolutions for us, George? George. Okay. Never shave his beard again? No. It's to say something nice about a stranger at least once a day. Hmm. He's so fucking negative. <laughs> no. Come on. <laughs> And I have a coworker that is like super negative that I work with all day. And then she, you know, complains about everything. And then I come home and the minute I come home, George starts just complaining about everything. And I'm just, you have to, so I told him, like, you have to say something nice at least once a day. Like, I can't take this anymore. I told her to make the coworker say nice things and let me stay the way I am. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So nothing for us, George? No uh, resolutions for us to try to do and pull off? No, I don't really do resolutions. I think we should get back into the uh, the movie the movie thing, though, where we make each other watch a movie. I'm you know, that kind of fell out of the rotation. But literally that challenge was make Teresa watch old movies because yeah, I don't think you ever watched anything. Did you give us movies? I mean, I don't know. This is toy. This is a toy show. I don't care. No, We've no, been doing this for almost three years now. I'm tired of talking about toys, to be honest with you. Well, good. Let's bring movies into it. Yeah. I can talk about movies. Well, that does. Let's go back to being a toy show then. <laughs> Basically, we're going to be just the Marsham hour. Marsham talks. 
<laughs> Marsham talk. Speaking of talking, Marsham. how about we start talking about some toys? So it's a new year, new toys, right. new purchases. I actually have not made any toy purchases yet, yet this year, so I've been bad. But Teresa, I'm sure you have. And I, one key thing I'm curious about with you is last time when we were talking with Chris Reiniak, we were all talking about the 8-inch Compietto, um, Haru the Compietto Dunny. That for the listeners, that's the one with the clear shell and the glow-in-the-dark mini dunnies and uh, Japanese candies on the inside called Compietto. And we, at the time we were talking about, we had only seen a few leaked images and not full reveals. But based on those leaked images, Teresa was saying that she really, really liked it. And then uh, they went up for sale and they sold out really fast. So, Teresa, did you end up getting one before they sold out? Yeah, we talked about them last week, two weeks ago. And, um, yeah, I was waiting for the full reveals and I saw them and I thought, hmm, I kind of like these. And then... They didn't, they kept revealing like glow in the dark photos. So I kept waiting for the, like the, the non-glow and you didn't really get to see that until they sent out the email and I looked at it and I was like, Hmm, I think I like this. Bye. <laughs> I just like, I was going to buy it because I really liked the silver face. And I think I like the silver face in the monochrome more than the green face on the colorful one. And so I said, screw it. I said, like, I don't want to miss out on it. And I'm glad I did because they sold out. So I'm still waiting for the Kid Robot one to arrive. I have the the colorful one that's like pink and blue and whatever, more pastels. Um, still waiting for the Kid Robot one in hand to see how I feel about it. Yeah, I bought them. See, and I'm they're shocked. fun. And- I didn't think you would go for the Kid Robot exclusive because it lacked color. I thought you were a color you know- gal. I mean, I do love color, obviously. I'm, my house is a freaking toy rainbow. But... I think it it was the face, the silver face, and I don't know. Like in the moment, I looked at it and I thought, I really like this as a pair. I'm just gonna do it, and I bought it. I, I think, don't know. Hopefully, I'm, gonna... I'm not sure they never mentioned it, but I think Johnny Draco might have done the face for that toy because remember his Mister Watt, his little five inch toy that he did. It has a similar face with the eyes closed and the round nose. So I'm guessing that he was the in house designer that did that. Can I admit guess. something? I This may sound really dumb, but when we first talked about it, in my head, when they were saying, what's the Haru Dunny? I thought Haru was an artist. I was like, oh, there's someone out there named Haru, and he made the Compietto Dunny. Like, okay, who's Haru? I don't know, but cool. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you're right that it's in-house, and like the name of the Dunny is Haru the Compietto Fairy. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so dumb. I'm sure you're not the only one who initially, I thought that initially when we read it on the last episode. That's one reason I didn't want to talk on it because I didn't know who Haru was and I fully expected you to go in and what an amazing artist they are and all that sort of stuff. But then later I found out, no, it's just Haru the Compietto Fairy. And so you're right. But so I, yeah, after seeing that face and really like realizing it matched that Mr. Watt Dunny, I think Johnny was behind it. It's a good guess. Here's my question. You bought. You said you bought two? Yes. Are well, you going to smash one open and take all those little guys out? Because I just want one of those little guys. So there was this whole thread talking about these dunnies out on Facebook. I forget. I think it was in the main Kid Robot buy sell trade group. But we were all talking about how much we really like the guts. And so when we first talked about it, all we had seen is some close-up sort of uh, teasers, but once you see the full reveal, you see that they added this sort of pad printed face on it. And a lot of people were saying that they really don't feel like that was even necessary, which I kind of agree. I kind of feel like just a more simplistic sort of shape of the dunny just filled with the guts would have been pretty cool. 
So there were a lot of people talking about if they, they think there was a way that you could remove the pad printing of the face without ruining the ABS plastic shell and keep it clear. And then other people were wanting to do the same thing as you, George. They wanted to bust it open and get some of the guts out so they can have some of the teeny pieces just on their own. So I've been debating. Uh, it's like a $75 gamble to uh, fiddle with them, but I'm kind of curious to play around. And Was anybody successful? Has anyone removed the face or smashed one open? I do know. Uh, well, Whoop Bear started it all. I don't know if you all saw, but they found a way to pop the the pieces out. And then I know of a collector who figured it out as well and is also exploring the pad printing removal. So I haven't seen anyone successfully remove the paint yet, kind of show it off. But I think there are people trying. So well, I know I'm you can actually of... remove the paint. I used to customize the rain dunny, and I, I took all those raindrops off all those clear dunny. So oh. that's definitely doable. Well, what did you use? You just use acetone, but you got to be just do it carefully. Because I see everyone's saying that acetone will cloud the plastic and that's it won't what look clear. Was. I, I did it on 50 rain dunnies, and it was never a problem. 50? And I busted and I busted all of them open to be able to put my skull inside. So I busted open and taken paint off of dunnies. Huh. Okay. So did you do anything afterwards, or just acetone, and that was it? Just acetone, but you have it's you can't just like dump acetone on it. It has to you have to kind of do it in layers, so you're not like eating the plastic, because the acetone will huh. eat the plastic. So you have to like put it on a put it on a rag, like a clean rag, put acetone on it so that it's not like dripping, but like so it's wet. You know, do a layer, move it onto another part of the rag so it's clean again. Do it again, do it again. Just keep going like slowly, and you'll be able to get it off fine. Well, it's good to know, but it sounds like a pain in the ass. Sounds like a lot of work. It makes me nervous. I like the face. Don't change no, it. No, I mean, plus it was seventy five dollars. You want to take that risk? I know. It's just for me. While I like it, you know me in faces. Oh, I know. And and if it's not smiling, you tend to not like it. And this one's kind of not smiling enough for you. But you did buy two of them, so I guess you could take that potential risk of ruining one if you wanted, really wanted to. I don't think it's worth it, though. Take a sledgehammer to it and smash it open and get all that cool stuff out of it. No! No! So, oh, so the trick I've heard is the way to bust it open is through one of the feet. There's, like, a little piece that's added at the very end. It's kind of tabbed in there. It's the one with the word Dunny printed on it. And uh, so people are using that as the way to get in. And so what I wanted to do originally, because I think I'm going to like the silver face better, I actually wanted to play with swapping the mini. So putting the colorful minis in the silver face dunny to see what that looks like. Mm, that's not a bad idea. That could be interesting. And then I kind of get the best of both worlds. So that's what I want to play with. Kid Robot, if you're listening, I you're probably hating us because they put this like huge disclaimer out in their email on the website, like, do not attempt to open. It's not meant to be open, and the, the things inside are not edible. Let's do a disclaimer right now. If you decide to try to remove the face with acetone or try to crack the shell open, we are not responsible for any potential damage that you do to your own dunny, nor is Kid Robot. Do not try to exchange it or refund it. Like... If you try to do it, you're doing so at your own risk. Well, you'll definitely, like, to open it, to fully open it, you'll have to snap it. And you'll have to snap those little connectors inside. So if you're opening it, you do have to be careful. Yeah, but the foot piece is, like, the shell itself is built a very specific way. But 
there's this one foot piece that's different than all the rest. And you can see oh, that okay. it's different. Like, it's like the final piece. Like, they made the master shell that's all held together a certain way, and then they filled it. And at the very end, they used this sort of cap on the foot. Oh, that's cool. So that'd be really cool to take it apart then. I'd like to get one to yeah. take apart. So, I mean, it's... They're sold out, George. Well, I was going to say, there... You might be able to get... Sorry if you can hear. I was lifting the dunny up. You can hear. It's like a rattle. But um, 3D Retro might have some in stock. Um, I don't yeah, think so. Everywhere. They only had three. And I think when Kid Robot sold out so fast, when that happens... It just causes like this trickle hype effect that goes to all the retailers. And I think even probably the lesser known retailers have all sold out. I think that one's gone. No chance of getting it. Yeah. I mean, I know 3D Retro was out of them yesterday. So. Okay. Well, yeah, I, they, they, they really did sell out fast. So props to Kid Robot because it was a, um, it did well. And I, I, we were kind of watching uh, along with Nick, one of the listeners, kind of checking in on different stores and seeing how it's going and they were flying. I was starting to get nervous. It's like, ah, like, should I, you know, where should I buy from? Cause kid robot had some of the, had both colorways. It's like, is it more, is it better to wait and try to get both from them? But, um, some went up before the kid robot sales. So I snagged one from my plastic cart. I think we all expected that to do really well. That was a unique and fun idea for them to do with the dunny. And it looked great in the clamshell. And plus it's good and, what is the deal with Gid? Why do as everyone like glow in the dark so much? I understand it looks neat when you turn off the lights, but here's the thing. When I turn off the lights, I'm leaving a room, so I never actually see that thing glow. And when I'm entering a room, the glow in the dark is no longer working because you have to like charge it up. It'd be cool if I walked into my office and before I turned the light on, it's all a glow. That would be neat, but that's not how it works. So why why are people so into Gid? Can I just say it drives <laughs> me bananas that you say Gid? What do you say? G-I-D? No, I just say it. Glow in the dark. <laughs> Why are people <laughs> so into glow in the dark? Why is Gary using a 90s reference? <laughs> it still holds up, George. Yeah. Does it? Well, here's the thing about glow in the dark, and this is something I've never truly understood: is I have glow in the dark toys. I probably have five or eight or something like that, and I never see them glow. There's a brief moment where I turn off the studio lights and I turn around to shut the door, and that's when I see them. It's that brief moment where the door is closing, and that's it. So it's not enough for me to want to like get hardcore into collecting uh, glow in the dark toys because I never see them. But for the people who do, like, do they actually sit in a dark room and watch their toys glow? And and the other thing is, is glow in the dark it fizzes out. It only lasts what five ten minutes before it loses its charge. So why is glow in the dark so popularly collected? Do you think? Well, it's funny. Glow in the dark toys was it was. I mean, in the mass market toy world. It was always just a gimmick to be able to resell the same toy over again. It was just something. It was something to add to a toy to to add this perceived value of this feature that was really just made to like be able to resell the same toy in a new way. And it kind of bounced over to this industry where it just became like a standard that everybody made. There's a regular version and there's a glow in the dark version. There's a black and white version. And you know, it's like. There became these like standards for some reason, and now there's people that just collect glow and dark things, or they only, you know, they only collect this color, this special color version. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you. I don't understand. Glow in the dark looks terrible when it's not glowing. It looks terrible when it's glowing. 
and it only glows for five minutes. Like, it's really no- Okay, wait, 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 wait. So, because <laughs> I do know people who hardcore collect it. Because sure. you're right. There are, there are people out there who are all up in it. Like, that is what they want. I will say... To your argument of like the default color, I am not a fan of the standard like greenish, yellowish glow in the dark. And I feel like to me, that's that's not my favorite. Like, I don't want to look at that by default. I prefer it when it's more of a base color and then it can change in the dark. And I think the scene has gotten a lot better about that with whatever materials and access to stuff or whatever. But so many glow in the dark toys now aren't that default color. There's like a, sometimes they're blue and they glow blue or they're red and they glow red or they're white and they glow green or whatever. So I think there's a lot of different variations now, um, which is really cool for me. I, I mean, <laughs> that's, I that's sort that. of your tagline. I've been noticed. I've edited a lot of episodes now, Teresa, and that's your that? go-to for me personally. That's your thing. Well, then I'll stop saying no, that. No, I, just made point, I, just, I, I just like to point it out. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a jerk. Continue. Oh, I'm done. No, <laughs> continue. Come on. Uh, I don't even know what I was saying. You killed my, but I, I don't know what I was saying. What was I saying? Glow in the dark. Oh. For me, something. Well, I don't even want to say that anymore. No, but I, I see glow in the dark as a bonus, like a cherry on top. Like I'm not, I'm with you. I don't ever really see it but the fact that it can glow is kind of cool and so it's it's not like a requirement like must buy glow in the dark but if i really like the toy and it happens to glow in the dark too it's kind of like oh cool it can glow if i wanted to but yeah it is kind of a funny thing because i do have it and i rarely see it i wonder if some people their displays are uh lit via black light and that's how people that's true right? there's like, a lot of collectors they- that do that and so they could be hanging out, like I could see right now in my like watching TV. If I turn the lights off and I had black light lit displays, you could be seeing some of the cool glow effects around you while you're watching TV or whatever. So that's a possibility. I have seen several collectors with black lights in their display cases, so that makes absolute sense. It's just one of those things where I've bought glow in the dark toys. It has sprays, or it's a toy that appeals to me. I'll buy it. In the like you said, Teresa, the glow is just an added benefit. I've produced toys with glow in the dark because I know there are a lot of collectors out there that like that, but I've never really thought about why do people collect glow in the dark so much. I don't know. It's fun. Even like you see Unbox, they did a whole glow show and they're even starting to play with the whole glow in the dark technology where it changes material color and all this stuff. So, I mean, it's a, it's definitely a thing. Well, why don't thing? people comment and tell us why they like glow in the dark if they like glow in the dark? There you go. Yeah. On Instagram. There you go. We're Marsham Toy Hour on Instagram. We also have a Facebook group. Just search Marsham Toy Hour. Find the images for these episodes and just leave a comment under that. And then just let us know why you collect Glow in the Dark, your favorite Glow in the Dark toy, your favorite type of color for Glow in the Dark. Anything you want to talk about Glow in the Dark. We'd love to continue the discussion in the comments with you. So let's take a brief moment and mention some of our sponsors while we're doing plugs for our social media. Uh, For all your designer toy needs, wants, and desires, we got three great stores for you. Actually, Lucas, you like toys, right? Right. Do you know the difference between the toys that you buy and the toys that I buy? No. Okay, when you look around my office, what are the differences between my toys and your toys? You make your toys. Well, I make some of them, but not all of them. But what's the other difference? I don't know. 
they're not in a big messy pile on the floor like your toys are, are they? You don't get to come in daddy's office and play with most of these toys, do you? Sometimes. <laughs> True. There's some nicks and damages in some of my toys, but that's okay. So where can people buy designer toys? 3D Retro. And where is 3D Retro located? Sutter, California. Yep, exactly. And online at 3DRetro.com. And what other stores? At not a strange dog, but a... StrangeCatToys.com. And there's one more store, Lucas. Do you know what the name of that store is? Come on. You're clamming up. Where are you going? Lucas! Where are you going? Don't go! <laughs> All right. Uh, he's out of here, so I'm on my own. Where do we leave? Oh, My Plastic Heart. So My Plastic Heart has a location in New York City. Very cool store. And if you visit, you'll get to see the awesome store mascot, Kiba the Dog. But if you can't make it to the New York City location, be sure to visit them online at myplasticheart.com. And if you happen to live in the States and spend $75 or more, use our promo code TOYFAM at checkout, and you'll receive free shipping. And to stay on top of all the latest and greatest in designer toy news, be sure to like and follow SpankyStokes.com and TheToyChronicle.com. And be sure to download the award-winning The Toy Chronicle app at any one of your favorite application stores. Actually, I have no idea if it's award-winning or not, but it should be. Okay, so let's move on. It's a new year, and what that means is there's a new Pucky series. This one is called Three Little Pigs, and Pop Mart is releasing these things at a feverish rate. This is already... The third or fourth Pucky Art miniseries of figures in like six months since June. So there's been the Xmas series, the Fairy series. Pool like, Babies. And Pool Babies. Is there more? Or is it just four? I think it's just the four. But you say it as if, oh, it's just four. But it's like, oh my god. No, it, that's four <laughs> miniseries since June of last year. That's only a six-month span. And we've already had four miniseries. Is it too much? Yep. Is it too much too fast, in your opinion? And you're a collector of these, Teresa, so I, I'm, I'm actually curious. Do you like that they're coming out fast and furious, or would you prefer a more slow pace? I think they've they're, they've gone too, too much too fast. At okay. first, it was like, you know, Pool Babies came out, and obviously I went crazy, and I bought a whole case of, a whole case of them at Five Points at String Cats booth. So... I obviously like that series, and then shortly thereafter, Forest Fairies came out, and of course I like that, but then it was like, okay, now it's getting to the point where, for me, it's become <laughs> major overkill. Like, at first it's like, oh, Pop Mart's killing it, yeah, Puckies, yeah, Satyrs, now I'm like, oh my god, you, you've gone from killing it to overkill, like, give me a break, like, I gotta <laughs> breathe. I got to breathe here. So I personally think they're they're going kind of crazy. I'm a little honestly worried it's going to fatigue people because I look at the Kennedy's works with like the Mollies and they just pound those series after series after series. And it's the point now where I've almost just become kind of into it because it's like, oh, there's another one. Oh, yeah. there's another one. And I just hope they don't do that to the Puckies and the Satyrs and all these really cool series they've been doing because – they're great artists and great, like, I love the designs, but I think if they pound it too hard, they're going to fatigue the collectors out there. And it's going to get to a point where I think it'll slow down, like, people buying it, because they'll know, they'll be like, oh, well, I don't know how I feel in this series, I'll just wait, because there's probably going to be another one next month. 
Like, I'll just wait and see what that one's going to be. You can't keep up. I mean, everyone does eventually have some sort of budget, and you can't spend your money on a a mini-series every month when there's tons of other uh, toys coming out at the same time. Like, George... What do you think was as a producer? Is this too much, too fast? Is there what's the you know, what are the rules of the game to prevent collector fatigue? I mean, are there rules or you just gotta go for it and just keep making I mean the rules are when people stop buying it, you'll have to stop, right? Yeah, but that's gonna eventually potentially damage the brand. You wanna make the brand last as long as possible. Like I would love to know marketing's opinion on this sort of thing as to how to approach something that seems popular, but how fast do you spit stuff out after that? Because that fatigue factor that Teresa was talking about, can you potentially burn out the collectors too quickly and hurt the brand in doing so? I bet you could. Yeah. I mean, I would, it's hard. Cause like there's the stuff that I really like and collect. If it came out every month, I'd buy it. So like, I guess it depends on how big a fan are you of that thing. Mm, true. Like, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's hard because I think burnout is, is a thing. And I think it's a, I don't know. I think it's a delicate balance of finding a way to keep up the excitement, but not go overkill. Like, I don't know, in a way, like I, you all know, I love unbox, but the Zeke dinos for me have almost become a little bit of that, like to the point where they're, they just keep going and going and going. And I've lost a little bit of excitement just because to me at this point, it's like, Oh, more dinos <laughs> like oh you know it just gets to a point i think where you kind of at least for me and, and i mean i'm not gonna speak for all collectors because i think you're right george there are people out there who it doesn't matter if they make one or a hundred they're really into i mean chris ryan is probably a solid example god knows how many of their minis i have in resin so i think if it's a thing for them they'll probably be all in and they, they'll be excited that there's more and more and more but i think for certain series that you like but you don't you know you won't buy every single one repeatedly producing series after series after series i think can hurt things in the long run well and also though like if it's like it's you're not you don't have to buy all of them like what's no one's making you be a a completist and chase every one of them no it just gets hard because since it's blind box style it's not like i can just go buy my favorite design I'd either be gambling and just buying a box and seeing what I got, or I'd have to try to find someone reselling it. So sometimes if you like a lot of the designs, pool babies, I bought the whole case because I liked the majority of them and I wanted the majority of them. So it's easier just to buy the case because the way that their cases work is you pretty much get the whole set plus a chance at a hidden secret design. So if you buy the case, you're guaranteed to get them all. There's no weird ratios and all of that. Um, but like forest fairies, because it came so quick after pool babies, I actually only bought one and I've still been trying to decide what to do. I'm in that weird, like, do I buy the case and go ahead and get a lot? Do I try to find specific ones, but it's hard to find them. So it's hard. Right, right. I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think as listeners? Let us know what you think in the comments. Let us know if, if collector fatigue is a thing, if uh, you know if you agree with us or disagree with us. But otherwise, let's move on to the next topic. And speaking of excitement, one of the things that I noticed is, is you know people are talking a lot about super plastic. I think we're going to hear a lot about them in 2019. But something that just came up recently is I heard there is a super plastic family, a super family like membership club. Have you guys heard about that? I, have, I haven't even heard that yet. 
Yeah, I think this is something completely new. I've seen it on the toy blogs. So there was a super janky of the Junkamazoo design. So it got upscaled to an 8-inch design. It's a red one, and it comes with like a little tooth-like sidekick companion. And I heard if someone was a member of a super family, a new term known to me, which I believe is a some sort of membership or club within the super plastic family, that the, the people, the members, got a 24-hour early access to make purchases of this super janky of Junkamazoo's design. So it's completely new to me. Teresa, have you heard anything in the groups or anywhere about how one became a member of uh, the super family? No. So there was this, this sneak peek of this Junko janky coming, right. That they put on Instagram for everyone to see like close up. And of course generated all this excitement. So I'm in the super plastic marketplace on Facebook and they're super active about, super plastic obviously but all of a sudden you know you saw that teaser and i thought oh really cool and, and then all these people were like oh my gosh pre-sale like went up buy it and i'm like what are you all talking about like what pre-sale like i'm going to the super plastic website i can't find the listing everyone's like oh i got the special email I'm like what are you all talking about so i don't know like there is this obviously this club this sort of insider super plastic super family group but i all it sounds like, like, I don't know how they generated it. I don't know if it's people who supported the Kickstarter really heavily. All I know is some people are in it and some people aren't. Like, I, I don't know. They didn't, they never announced it. Like, Sewer Plastic has never put anything out there that yeah. said, hey, we've got this special thing. And they just did it. Hmm. Okay. I thought maybe you knew something on that. It was kind of. It did sell out, though. I think it actually sold out before it went to the general public. There was 300 pieces. There must be a lot of very happy uh, Super Family members. They did say some for the general release. Because at first, oh, when... Okay. Yes, it was limited to 300. And we were hearing maybe it sold out during pre-release because it did really well. But they did set some aside for general release. And um, those sold out in like a minute. I mean, I don't even know how many they had left, but it sold out super quick. I was shocked that it went up so quick because I thought, oh, they're they're just teasing us a little. It'll be coming out you know, in a month or two or whatever. But no, like they teased it. And then I think it was less than a week later that they put it up for sales. And it's coming in February. February. Yeah, that's when it's supposed to be in collector's hands. And that just tells me this isn't just a pre-order to see if they can get sales and then they'll start producing it. They started probably manufacturing this three, four months ago because it's going to be an upscaled from a three inch to an eight inch. And it also comes with that little sidekick tooth guy. So this is something they've had in the works for a few months. Yeah. So I, they, you know, they, they definitely seem to be owning the whole pre-order sale path and continuing sort of down that sort of, I call it the hype train. I don't know. Do you all think it's a good or bad thing that they're doing pre-orders? Do you feel like, I don't know. I kind of get this sense that it's almost a little bit like sneaker culture because there's some crazy flipper stuff going on. Like those Junkos went up and then immediately there are people trying to flip it. Granted, they just bought it pre-order. No way they have it in hand. People are like, oh, 450 bucks or best offer. Yes. You know, like posting these wow. sale posts literally the day of the sale. And I don't know. It's just weird. And I know like flipper culture, it's a part of our scene. But I don't know. Do you all feel like... Mm, I don't like, have a problem with the pre-order at all. I mean, a company wanting to get some money in their hands to help manufacturing costs, that's perfectly understandable, especially now that we know that super plastic, the quality is so 
uh, impeccable. I think people aren't going to be afraid of that uh, pre-order system, especially knowing that once the pre-order is going to be in their hands a month or two later, that's perfectly within reason. It's the ones where you pre-order it takes a year or two with no communication. That's where the pre-order system starts breaking down. But as far as the flipping of it, that's just a part of our culture. But if there is a super family and majority of the members in that group are the flippers, that sucks that the general public might not be able to have the opportunity to get something at the original retail. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No. And I get, I'm with you. I think from a pre-order perspective, the fact that it's only a month out or so doesn't bother me. I still would like to get to a point where, you see actual product photos to pre-order from, but I think at this point, I guess people have seen their quality and trust in it and they're good seeing a 3D rendering and ordering off of that. Um, but the whole, yeah, the whole hype thing, I mean, there's definitely something to that. Like a hype. Oh, there, there definitely is. And this is, we're just going to repeat ourselves talking about the, eight inch Harudani again, but that's a good example of it that happened recently. It's sold out at kidrobot.com. And then next thing you know, that, that panic started setting in for other collectors that started seeing other retailers also mentioning that it was sellout. So it sells out at Kid Robot, and then people start going to the other retailers and looking at the other colorways, and those start selling out quickly as well. And that's what happens. It's that hype starts generating a little panic and frenzy, even for people who are, weren't originally going to pick it up, start getting that itch to go to other retailers and start picking it up before it's gone. You don't want to miss out on something. So yeah, hype is definitely a thing within our scene. It helps move product. It does. And yeah, you're right. It's 100% a scene built on hype. Like there, nobody buys yeah. shit they like. They just buy shit that people think is like someone else is going to think is cool. Like that's what's wrong with the scene. <laughs> okay. So George, let me ask you this. Knowing that hype really generates a scene and people are minded like this, can you ever see an artist or a company say creating false hype around something, falsifying a sellout? So let's say they have 300 of something. And in the first four to six hours, they've noticed 225 units have sold. But it's a, a slow burn after that. And they know the longer that it sits on a shelf, the more the less excitement and hype around that and future releases is slowly depleting. Can you see a company saying, okay, fine, we're going to say it's sold out and we're just going to sit on this remaining 75? Can you see that ever happening? Yeah, of course they would. And then you just start leaking them on eBay on your own later on, on your second or third account on eBay. No, but yeah, I don't think these companies have secondary eBay accounts. Mm. Collectors would lose their minds if they found out that was happening. I Mm. I think for sure there's people out there doing that. I can't, that doesn't, okay, okay. I guess I can understand it from like a a marketing and strategy point behind it. It makes total sense. But at the same time, it, it feels deceptive and what if you get caught doing it is the risk really worth the reward i just but it makes absolute sense i can totally seeing you know the benefits of doing something like that i i think 100 percent people would that's this whole culture is based on that and if your thing is perceived as not cool then it's gonna die y'all are blowing my mind maybe it's just like me and my trust like my trusting self but like i just never even thought that that would be a thing people would do but well, we're purely speculating. I would be bummed yeah. to find out that I missed out on something, and to find out, you know, in reality, there was like a backstock that was just withheld. Yeah, and I get like, I mean, I get, I get 
some back stock, like Momiji dolls do it because it's hand-painted dolls and resin and things can happen in shipment, right? Things well, yeah, that, that's a safety stock. Yeah. That's something completely like, different. But I can see where that would be a great excuse if you ever got caught. Just say it was your safety stock. Yeah, hmm. that's different. But the idea of it, it's, it's, I mean, I'm sure it's a possibility, I guess. I mean, I know you were just, as you said, speculating, but it, it blows my mind to think that that's a thing. But at the same time, I get what you're saying, George. Hype now now watch. Everyone's going to start having sellouts. I sold out. Sold out. One minute. <laughs> 29 seconds. Sold out. Well, these little small runs of things are selling out anyway because people make five of something. So it's like. Yeah. That's the thing. that Half these, half this, like, all this Sofubi and Japanese vinyl and stuff where it's like, oh, it's sold out. It's like, yeah, you made 10. You can't really <laughs> claim a big sellout. You made 10 of something. Like, you I could sell 10 to my family, and then what am I going to say? It's sold out? Cool. Like, you can't, you know, you can't be proud of a sellout of 10. Speaking of all these sellouts, it's funny because, well, it's not funny, but Janky Series 1 is sold out on the Super Plastic website. And everyone's like, oh, my God, Janky Series 1 already sold out, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, cool, but I was like, there are all these other retailers who all have them in stock. Yeah, they're sold out directly, but there are plenty of there are plenty of jankies out there still. Like there's plenty of retailers to buy from. So it's it is a funny thing. Like Super Plastic can be like, oh, series sold out. But it's like, well, kind of. <laughs> yeah, but again, like there's there's that trip uh, that trickle effect by them saying they're sold out and they're and like what they have in their warehouse. Like that would also don't you think cause people to like, oh crap, I really do do need to buy that case now, and they're now going to all of our spots. Yes. My Plastic Heart, Strange Cat Toys, 3D Retro, all of our sponsors. Um, I have a, I have a, so we're talking about special clubs with this whole Super Plastic Super Family, Gary. Yeah. Um, did you all, so there was a article that Andy put out on the Toy Chronicle that was kind of his yearly recap, but did you all catch that it seems like Andy and the Toy Chronicle are working on some kind of special club thing themselves? I know I remember something about this and Andy hangs right up George if you're not familiar Andy did it right up for like wrapping up 2018 and one of the things he mentioned that could happen in 2019 is something having to do with their VIP members getting early access and other additional perks but Teresa this is kind of like the super family where it it kind of got mentioned but I don't have any previous knowledge of it I don't remember ever hearing any mention of it before so it's completely new to me and I don't know how one becomes a member of this group. I don't think it's launched yet, Gary. I think it's in the works, but, but as far as I know, because I'm not in it yet either. So they're planting but, the um, seed. Okay, I got yes. it. Yes. I believe that it's it's a thing they're working on, uh, but they haven't specifically said, this is how you'll get it. And actually, let me see if I can read a snippet. I've been working on exclusives, giveaways, first allocation, line skip, advanced pre-orders and purchases for our VIP readers and subscribers. Stay tuned for more info on this. It's been a year in the making. It will be worth it. I line don't, skip what line? I, I think like events, somehow finding a way for you to get ahead to like the front of a booth maybe? Or... Imagine being at a decon or a Taipei Toy Festival or whatever, and you really want an instinct toy piece, and somehow Andy is, this is nuts to me, the idea of it, but it's figured out a way for you to be like, I'm number one, boop, give me that thing, please. I don't know. It, it's crazy cool to think about. It, I, 
I don't think they have the whole VIP thing set up. I could be wrong, though. Maybe we're out of loop because we're not in it. But I hope there'll be a way to to join and be a VIP. And Well, we should find out because so far we're doing a pretty terrible job of promoting our sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> but you piqued my interest, Andy. So it also sounds like a great reason for people to follow and download the Toll Chronicle app. Yeah. If we see more, we'll definitely share. Okay. All right. So next topic, George, this is something I'm, I kind of want to get your feedback on. Uh, we've been doing this show for what, two and a half, almost three years now. And we've heard many different terms for this, for this scene, designer toys, design objects has been thrown around. Uh, David Horbath was just on, he was saying creator toys for the bootleg scene. Uh, New York times did an article and they were calling the bootlegs artisanal toys. At what point, and I think this is probably why it's so hard to describe the designer toy scene, at what point do we all use the same term? Never. Do you like that we're all kind of all over the place? Is it obnoxious? Oh, it's because, 100% obnoxious. Because, I mean, designer yeah. toys is the, is, is, the, is the term that everyone is the most familiar with. And why do people feel the need or desire to keep trying to introduce new ones. Maybe because everybody wants to be the guy that makes the name stick. I don't know. (laughs) None of the names that have been bandied about and used for all these years are really descriptive of what the scene is because it's way too vast. Yeah. But at the same time, like creator toys and designer toys, they're pretty much the same thing. Like, I've been programmed to say designer toys for the past 15 years. So I'm just going to continue using that term versus the other. Yeah, it is true. Like part of me, like designer toys is what I say. Cause you're right. Like that's just what you're programmed to say and what you call the scene. But part of me wants to say art toys. Cause I feel like that's a little bit better. That's a good one. I like it, but it doesn't encompass the scene. I think. Right. I think it's a good one, but some things are more artsy than others, right? Like some people might look at this like goofy little thing I have that has like a little smiley face on it and be like, how is that art? Like, <laughs> it's like, well, you may have a, your kids splattered some paint on a paper plate and you call that art. So don't be picking on my smile. Well, I face think where that, that terminology comes in great is when, you know, one reason the designer toy scene started is a lot of paintings were come to life through toys. You know, Gary Baseman's characters that were in his paintings were now being available as more affordable toys. And I think that's where that term art toys fits better because it, it yeah. kind of goes along with the fine art and actual paintings and that sort of stuff better. But I don't know. I really, I'm not ready to have multiple terms for what we decide. I don't want, I'm not ready to say this is an art toy and this is a designer toy. It's got to be just one oh, no. all-inclusive thing. Yeah. I'm with you. I don't, I don't want to start creating just like the whole Sofubi soft vinyl debates and all that. It's just like, I'm with you. I want a blanket term. And so designer toys seems to be that, at least for right now, the blanket term. So just stick with it. Designer toys. Designer toys. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the, that's definitely the one that's reached the, the closest to being what everybody uses, but still like some people got to be snobs about it and call it something different. What was that one that the, you said the Times used? Artisanal toys? <laughs> that's the dumbest. That's the yeah, it's absurd. <laughs> That's just written by someone who's trying to be hoity-toity. Come on. All right, so... Oh, go on, if you got something. 
Yeah, I got, so we were, just to switch topics again, I know we were talking about the whole pre-order sale method that Superplastic is using, but it seems like a new trend or sale approach that's also popping up is this whole silent auction thing. So I don't know if you've, you all have seen, but... Uh, yeah, like... It's been big in Asia the- at some of the Asia conventions. Right. So, like, I, I've heard of it overseas, too, at certain conventions. They might do an auction of, like, like JPK. I know John Paul Kaiser, one of his, I think he did a Yoki the Bat custom that was this crazy auction. They had a video we could watch and see how crazy it went up price-wise. But it seems to kind of, like, I always thought it was sort of, I don't know, here and few and far between. But it's coming over in the U.S. now because now I've seen both Clutter use it with a quick show and Martian Toys used it with the quicks. Uh, janky custom at their janky show. So I don't know what do you all. Can you explain it to me real quick? Cause I don't know what it is. Oh yeah. So um, what they're doing is typically galleries when they have a show, right, George, they'll have set prices, right? Right. They'll show up or maybe they'll post online and say that piece is 400. That's 200, whatever. What they're doing right now is for select pieces. Instead of you just being able to go in and buy it at X price, they're doing a silent auction for it. And what they're doing is at the event or via email, people can place silent bids and it runs till a specific time that night and the highest bid wins and gets to buy it. But instead of saying that piece is $500, it might get bid up to a thousand or 1200 or 1500, depending upon whoever wants it. But I think the tricky part is say there's me as a collector who, yeah, I'm willing to spend 300 bucks for a piece I like, but I may not have 1k to drop. And I come in, I'm like, oh, I really want this. And I find out silent auction. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to beat that guy with with all this extra money. I guess I'm not going to get it. It's hard. So I don't know. What do you think? I, I don't know if I like the whole silent auction model. Um, I mean, I get And who, who decides? Like, does the artist have anything to do with it? Or is it they just do it on what pieces they want? I, I don't know the logistics behind it. I don't know if it the artist wanting to do an auction or the gallery wanting to do one, or they work together on it. Ironically, it was both Quicks pieces that it happened on. Yeah. So and maybe Quicks actually comes Quicks? from the Philippines. So maybe that makes sense. Like maybe he's more familiar with how this is happening at the Asia conventions. He's been to a lot of conventions. So that might, might make sense why he presented it to the galleries and they did the auction the way they did. And George, I think the reason it's not going to be for anything and everything. Like not everything is going to sell well in auction. It's I think this this auction route is probably going to be taken where they know it's highly sought after by ten to a hundred people, and they just know this is the best way to get the best bang for the buck on this on this item. And yeah. Quicks is one of the most popular artists in our toy scene right now. He's very well sought after, lots of sellouts, lots of product. And, you know, to get one of his hand-painted pieces, that's, that's a big deal. So, you know, I understand why the galleries are doing it, but I don't know how I feel about it because it's great for the galleries. It's great for the artists to get, you know, they want to get as much money as possible out of something. But at the same time, it's kind of taking the little man out of it. Now this stuff is only obtainable by the people with the deepest pockets. Right. Because it'll get bid up to a higher amount than maybe what the base price was going to be. I don't see a problem with it as long as everybody involved is okay with it. Yeah. It's interesting for sure. I have mixed feelings. I. It doesn't bother me. Like it, It's not like I'm like, oh my God, I hate that they did that. It's more, I don't know if I like the idea of it becoming a thing. Like suddenly, instead of 
galleries just selling stuff straight up, everything becomes an auction. I hope that that doesn't become the case. Oh, I don't think it's going to go that far. I think we're going to see it more occasionally, especially with the more popular artists and, and things like that. But I don't necessarily hate it. I'm just a little afraid with it being silent auction and not ran like most auction houses where you go in, you fill out a form. It's all done like over the table and very yeah. uh, transparently. This is being silent. I have a feeling that at some point someone is going to get, get butt hurt and feel out bid in some weird way and start making accusations. And that's where this stuff can get a little icky, but so far it seems like it's going great. And I'm interested to see how this progresses if it becomes more popular. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. And Hey, props to clutter and Martian tools and quicks. Cause they did, they it was super successful so um both yeah, those quicks shows. quicks is so popular now he won i think artist of the year last year he's just he's blowing up there's just no stopping him he's anywhere and everywhere it seems like at the moment i he deserves to win artist of the year this year as well as many other people but i would not be surprised to him you know take that you know back-to-back title yeah yeah no it's he really is um He's. It's like he blew up for me. It seems like he blew up out of nowhere. Now it's just he's like Zeke Dino level almost for me. It's like, oh, quick's here, quick's there. <laughs> Come away, away. So I think that's a good episode for your return, George. I think we talked enough. So how about we go ahead and wrap this episode up? Teresa, you go first. Sure. And actually, really, really quick. Um, I should have done this when we were talking in the beginning, but I have a small little thing to share. So do you remember how forever ago it was an episode? It was just you and me, Gary, but I kind of threw strange cat toys under the bus a teeny bit because I had bought a blind box that was opened and he didn't send it complete. It was missing the stand. Yeah. So he, the other day, guess what? He was digging through boxes and he ended up finding the stand. (laughs) So months have gone by, but Corey has redeemed himself, and he's going to mail me the missing piece. <laughs> I love so Corey. I finally, so Corey's I can awesome. finally have my complete toy, but yes. So I just thought I would share that Corey found the stand. He didn't throw it away after all. He was saving it in a box. See? He just didn't realize he put it in there. So Retraction. You're a bad person, Teresa. Yeah. I'm not. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, Corey, we love you, and thank you for finding my stand. But um, anyway, do you so, guys want? We have a, actually a caller. You guys want to take a caller real quick? We have a caller. That's awesome. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Teresa, this is your mother Eunice, and I've been listening to this podcast <laughs> you said you've been doing, and I I don't approve. You've been cussing. Okay, let's um, let's move on. <laughs> that was the best call ever. <laughs> God. Yay, I am. <laughs> My mother's name is not Eunice. Oh, I, I wish it were, though. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa, I just don't approve of what I'm hearing. I heard your brother get called a wussy, and you've been cussing like a sailor. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to this. I agree with your mom, Teresa. Your mouth has become so dirty on this show. Oh, my gosh. Mother, I love you, but I am 31. I can... Cuss if I want to. Well, speaking of being in your 30s, Teresa, how come when your father and I visit your house, it's full of baby toys, and yet you haven't given us any grandchildren yet? 
I didn't know this was a live call. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, 2019. We started doing live feeds, George. Oh. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus, Teresa, really? Mother. Uh, uh, Eunice, do you want to give out your Instagram so people can follow you? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, my mom has an Instagram. Ha! Very funny. Eunice, we're going yeah, yeah, to need to hang up with you, so uh, talk to you later. Bye. Call your mother, Teresa. Oh, mom, you hung up. Well, I was. <laughs> I do actually. I do actually need to call my mother. <laughs> well, let's finish wrapping up the show first, and then you can do that. So, why don't each one of you take a brief moment and let our listeners know where they can find you? Sure. You all want to find me? Check me out on Instagram. My username is tmhawk24. George. And I just want to say thanks to Chris Reiniak for filling in while I was away. He does a much better job than me. So we welcome back anytime. <laughs> and you can find me at Double G Toys on Instagram. And I am Gary Ham. You can find me at superham.com or Gary Ham on Instagram. Nice to have you back, George. This has been the Marsham Toy Hour. We do this every week, not because we have to, but because we want to. Want to? I was waiting for you. So until <laughs> our next transmission, we're signing off. Bye. Bye.